This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com BE. Welcome to the show we like to call Happy Teacher, Happy Life, where educators are empowered to be their best and live their best life. Join host Lynn Harden as she mentors teachers to create happiness, improve self-care, better their communication and relationships, and redefine their balance between work and home. Tune in to find your happy place and create your happy life. Here's Lynn. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the first episode of Happy Teacher, Happy Life. I am Lynn Harden, and I am the founder and creator of Happy Teacher, Happy Life. This podcast is all about helping teachers simplify their lives, refine and implement work-life balance, and of course, have a happy life. This is specifically for women who are teachers or principals. The reason I'm so passionate about this group of educators is that I was you and I am you. I'm a teacher and a principal who found work-life balance, a simplified life. I found that simplified life and a big slice of happiness. But I wasn't always that girl. I thought and felt like I could not do enough, be enough for most of my early and middle life. I believed I had to work really hard in school extracurricular activities, career, relationships, teaching, leading, and parenting to feel valued and loved. I was so out of balance. I was complicated and miserable, and I almost missed living my best life. I'm going to tell you a bit about my story, and then I'm going to get into it today, where you can begin, if you desire, to simplify your teacher life and find work-life balance. Oh, and I almost forgot the best part. Real happiness with a blueprint for living. Most people, most teachers, the very first thing they want to know is, well, how'd you do it? Because they tell me and they think this, that it's not possible to have a work and home life balance. And I have to tell you, I thought and felt the same thing for years. I also thought, said, and heard some of these statements in the teacher's lounge or in conversations such as teaching is really hard, it's stressful, has a high burnout rate, is low paying, the principals are really mean and unsupportive, parents need to be better parents, such long hours, how am I going to do it all? And at this point, feel free to add your own favorite stinking thinking to the list of ideas. 
Well, with thoughts like these, it's no wonder that we as educators feel exhausted, overwhelmed, and like victims or villains rather than the heroes in our own story. So this episode will be about how I moved from being a victim to a hero in my own story, and it is my intent that it is helpful to you. Well, I'm from Texas, and I, I really had wonderful parents. My mother had three small children close in age, and my father was rarely home as he traveled for his job. My mom tells this story, remember it's a story, that I was potty trained at 14 months old to help her out with her desire to only have one baby in diapers. Who knows what really happened? The critical piece is what decision I made as a toddler and at other moments in my childhood on how I would do life. I remember being bullied in school because of my homemade clothes, my height, my weight, intelligence, eyeglasses, and teeth in need of braces. In fourth grade, we learned about the Texas Longhorn, cattle that are known for its characteristic horns extending to over 100 inches, tip to tip for cows and bulls. A boy in my class that I had a crush on shouted out to the entire class, yeah, just like Lynn Ann, long, lean, and mean. I was horrified. I was embarrassed and felt less than. I believed and made the decision at that moment that I was not enough the way I was, that I should slump, seem shorter, diet, and either stop being direct or too blunt and definitely downplay my intelligence. It is scary how easy we give our power away based on others' opinions or casual comments. I began thinking I had to please others by overworking and doing what I thought they needed. I threw all of my effort into my studies and achievements, did not develop relationships, did not have hobbies, did not have a rich social life. It was all about making those grades earning awards, and working hard. Don't get me wrong, these are wonderful attributes to have. But if out of balance, they will absolutely suck the marrow from one's bones and rob who you really are and keep you out of balance. I began to have issues of control. In other words, trying to control others. I struggled with depression, anxiety, and definitely not feeling good enough. My perspective is I was unemployable, played by misery, and did not think I was helpful to others. I vacillated from working 12-hour days to face down on the couch. It was a complicated, out-of-balance, miserable life. And it was slow, it was insidious. As I look back on it, I can see it, but at the moment, no. As always, my only solution was to work harder, try harder, sacrifice my time and wellness. Sounds unbelievable as I say this, 
but that was the best I could do at the time. I do not consider myself broken or misunderstood, and neither should you. I know I had a good childhood with good parents who gave me an education, ballet, piano lessons, a warm house, and food on the table. They love me. And after leaving that childhood, I had over 50 years to reinvent myself. And I did. I no longer blame others or the past for my responses to life. So what changed? First, I got sick and tired of being sick and tired. The thought occurred to me, if nothing changes, nothing changes. You may be asking then, well, what did you do to impact your future and no longer let the past story affect me so deeply? One of the first things I did was to write or do simple journaling of what was happening in my life. I would look for patterns and be self-loving and not judge what I saw. As I look back on those diaries, I see a young woman with pretty outdated thinking, but a thirst to be better for herself and her children. And I just love her for her courage. All right, let's cut back to high school. I graduate early, of course, and I wanna become a teacher. I come from a long line of teachers. My great-great-grandfather was a teacher. I still have his teaching credential from 1890. My grandmother taught in a one-room schoolhouse in the late 1920s. And my mother taught in the early 1950s with being the first special education program in San Antonio. Let's just say that teaching was in my DNA. I wanted to be a teacher. And I at that time, I wanted to be a high school drama teacher. Instead, I did what my parents wanted me to do and went to the college they wanted me to go. Texas A&M. They were paying for school and I did not believe I had choices. I now know there's always a choice. I needed to perform. I needed to overwork to feel loved, valued, and win your approval. This was my best thinking and I certainly was not living my best life. Though my parents sending me to Texas A&M is hardly a reason to call social services. Well, I graduated with a degree in medical technology, and I worked in that profession for over 18 years, working at one of the first AIDS clinics in Los Angeles. I am so grateful for the education my parents provided and the opportunity to have worked in healthcare and help others. Sadly, my children's father, my late husband, passed away from AIDS in 1992. He was a hospital administrator who had a deep needle stick from a dialysis needle as he was helping clean up the hospital for an inspection. There were no universal precautions in the late 1970s. I had to go through testing myself to find out my HIV status. In the early 1980s, it took six months to find out if you were truly HIV negative. And during those six months, I lived in fear. I lived in doubt. Overworking and attempting to be perfect was the only thing that shut my mind off. And it removed me from the shame and gave me a sense of value. 
I believed, I really believed this. If I was a good girl and did everything perfectly, nothing wrong would happen. After six months, I found out I was HIV negative and told that I was one of those that probably had natural immunity. I just believed that God wasn't done with me. In addition to journaling and writing out my thoughts, I began to read self-help books, go to workshops on personal development, and attended self-help groups as well as 12-step programs. There was no Google at that time to research work-life balance or how to take the focus off other people's needs and refine my needs, self-care and self-love. So this was what I did. Educators are resourceful. And since I come from a long line, I was going to learn and find out a solution to what was happening for me come heck or high water. I became a consummate student of wellness, mindset, and personal development, like a thirsty woman in the desert looking for water. There was this little, little, teeny, tiny part of me that knew there was a more straightforward, a more balanced way to live. And I definitely knew that my children deserved my best as a mother. My second husband, Michael, deserved my best as a wife. That the world needed me, my best as a woman, a teacher, and most importantly, I deserved my best life. So I began to overwork just a little, spend less time in bed, and spend more time with my children. I began to feel a sense of ease, happiness, and hope. Dare I say, I even started to have fun. So in 1998, I was sitting at a baseball field watching my oldest son, David, play baseball. And a neighbor comes up to me and hands me an application for substitute teaching. I said, thank you. And something inside of me came alive. Something inside of me awakened. So I took action, filled out that application, and began working as a substitute teacher. My first job was in fifth grade in the same school district my children were in. I got to the elementary school super early before anyone else except the secretary. And I remember walking into that cool, dark classroom turning on the lights and seeing all the empty desk and cheerful student work filled on the bulletin boards. And I knew I was home. By this time, I'm 40 and I went back to school, got my teaching certificate and an administrative credential. I taught third grade for three years, became a teacher on special assignment with instructional technology in the district office, and I knew that I wanted to impact a larger community. And I knew that I wanted to help teachers specifically because I know and believe they are the front line to the students. I wanted to help more students. I wanted to help more families, other school staff, which ultimately meant helping teachers. So I became an elementary school principal. I had no experience as a site-based administrator. 
And I went back to my old habit of default thinking of complicating simple tasks, being out of balance with work and home and wanting to please everyone. And of course, pleasing no one. I stopped being a good listener. I misplaced my compass of self-worth, lost a sense of different needs that lead to happiness. I worked crazy hours and weekends to try and fix this perceived problem. Well, let's just say I met with a teacher's union a few times. Because of these meetings and outstanding mentorship, I learned and I became willing to look at my thinking and my feelings and my behavior. And I let go of judgment of myself and others. My dear husband, who's such a doll, said the sweetest thing to me as I sat on the couch crying, Lynn, your only crime is lack of experience. Sacrificing going to my children's games, recitals, and date night with my husband was not the solution. I went back to those tools of journaling, reading, listening to others, groups, and courses. I began to work on myself by changing my thinking, using simple tools, and finding balance. I started getting better results, both at school and at home. I believe relationships are the most essential thing in the world, and mine began to get better and better. I became a certified relationship and life coach, helping other women understand the boys and men in their classroom and life. While working as a principal, I continued personal development, study, self-reflection, wellness, and journaling. I began to paint again and do art journaling as an expression. I believe creativity is a great way to help balance one's life. I began to challenge, analyze, see what's up, rather than trying to block, judge, or change my thinking to some pie-in-the-sky positive affirmation. We have 60,000 thoughts a day, and we probably are conscious of 2,500, 3,000. So here are some, and maybe you could identify, we as women have picked up along the way. One must work hard. Life is hard. One must make sacrifices. I must make everyone happy. I will never be good enough. You won't love me if I don't do it your way. I know best. I don't have time to do me right now. I've got to help others first. These kids need me. One day I'll take care of myself. One can see how these thoughts would lead to frustration, fear, disappointment, and unhappiness. I took action based on the feelings attached to these thoughts, and the results were not pretty. I had lost my health, my relationships, and self-worth. Well, this is no more. And I've never been better mentally, physically, and spiritually. I have a great relationship with my family and friends and a clear sense of my purpose in this life. 
I also became a certified educational administrative coach for California and coached new educational administrators through their first two years as an admin. I showed them how to stop dying by a thousand cuts. I believe our greatest mistakes will become our greatest asset to help others. And this is proved true for me. I am so grateful that I've learned a solution for overcomplicating life, having lack of work-life balance, people-pleasing, and missing out on being my best. And this is what this podcast is going to be about, and I will share with you in future episodes. I will share with you what I have discovered and what I do today. For the last 23 years, I've had the privilege of being a teacher and a principal. It's an honor, a privilege to help students be successful and help teachers simplify their lives, find work-life balance, self-worth, and happiness. For the last 30 years, I've been committed to learning and practicing wellness and living my best life. In 2020 and 2021, with a world pandemic, education was changed forever. I believe fantastic new teaching methods, teaching wellness practices, and teaching happiness will come from this experience in history. I believe that with all my heart, because that's what I think. On June 19, 2001, I retired from public education, still with a fire in me to help women who teach find work-life balance and simplify their lives. I decided, or I thought, what more can I do for them? That's what this podcast is all about. I'm going to teach and share with you all kinds of cool and exciting ideas with book reviews, journaling as an art form, setting goals, how to simplify your teacher life, what to do with stinky thinking, and a wellness wrap-up with meditations, best practices, and communication skills throughout this podcast. The only thing I need from you, or the only thing you need, is the desire and the thought, maybe I could learn something. And we'll figure this out together. It is time to give yourself the gift of self-love, self-esteem, and self-worth with simple tools. Give yourself the gift of less looking at what you think you are not doing good enough, less thinking about what has gone wrong, less dwelling on all of your past mistakes and perceived failures. How to stop fighting and giving yourself a daily beatdown. You're going to feel better. And besides, the world needs you at your best. Follow some simple guidelines and practices, and you will let go of drama and nonsense. And you start thinking, just for today, what can I do for myself, my dreams, and my goals? Then one day you wake up and you realize you are in your happy place. You are a happy teacher with a happy life. Are you ready to get started? 
Thank you for listening to Happy Teacher, Happy Life. If you enjoyed today's show, visit happyteacherhappylife.com to find community, access information about our guests, and sign up for our newsletter. Be sure to rate and review us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.